I should be royally ticked off at you, you know? Because I got bored and I had sex with you and I didn't want to, like, marry you? Like I'd marry you, you'd be the meanest wife ever, okay? And, and I know that you weren't bored that day because there was a lot of stuff on TV. It's a topic we can't afford to avoid. Parents and counselors constantly scorn them, but people are still having sex and nothing seems to stop them. The sexual revolution is getting younger. Have you noticed that people are still having sex? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with author, speaker, and Christian apologist Pat Zuckerman. I'm your co-host Kevin Harris, and today we'll examine sex, lies, and the truth. Now, it's kind of obvious that today's topic is not for younger children, but we hope that teens and adults will lock into this show today and use it as a resource for good information and discussion. Evidence and Answers takes on the big questions of life, and we want to invite you to explore all the resources at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find everything from the new atheism to Islam, from movies to martial arts, from yoga to Zen Buddhism. Check it all out at evidenceandanswers.org. So, Pat, let's take on this subject, sex, lies, and the truth. Yes, Kevin, we're talking about a hot topic today. This is always a hot topic, sex, lies, and the truth. And here with me is a special guest, the First Lady of Probe Ministries, Sue Bolin, the wife of our president, Dr. Ray Bolin. Sue Bolin has been a speaker and writer with Probe Ministries for over 20 years. She is web mistress here of Probe Ministries. So, Sue, welcome to the show. Thanks, Pat. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we're talking about this topic, sex, lies, and the truth. And with all that's going on in the media, this is really a hotspot magazine. There are numerous magazine articles on this. And some recent events to highlight here. Jamie Lynn Spears, one of the stars of the TV show The Life of Zoe, at 16 years old, informed O Magazine that she was pregnant and that the father was an 18-year-old boy. Juno, a movie about a teenage girl who gets pregnant, is up for several Academy Awards. And then we have Miley Cyrus, the star of the teen show Hannah Montana, who posed provocatively in a recent Harper's Bazaar magazine. Mm -hmm. And so the teen sex revolution is back on the front page of magazines and newspapers all over the place. This whole issue of sex, especially teenage sex, is becoming a hot topic once again. So tell us a little bit about uh, why you think is receiving such such a prime spot uh, in the media today. I think that the culture has been changing over the last several years, Pat, and we've we've got so many lies going on in the culture about sex. Actually, it's it's kind of like we've been pickled. You know, if you take a cucumber and you put it in a jar that has pickling brine in it, which is water and vinegar and spices, over time, that cucumber will absorb the pickling brine and it'll become a pickle. And in the same way, so many people in our culture, and that includes, I believe, the majority of Christians, are in that same pickle juice, that same pickling brine in the culture, which elevates sex as the ultimate value. It says that that sexual pleasure is the ultimate right. Nobody has the right to tell me that I can't have a good time and express my sexuality any way I want. And so you've got a lot of people who've been sitting in this pickling brine of sexuality for years. It's going to have consequences. And so we've we've now we've got front page 
in news about teens and sex, um, the statistics are horrendous about how much sexual activity there is. It's still um, somewhere in the 50% category. Not everybody is having sex, but the ones who are, um, are getting sick from it. Their hearts are broken over it. And and so often they don't even they can't think clearly because they don't know what a biblical worldview is, and so they buy into the culture's lies. Yes, and let us also make clear, Sue, that sexual immorality is not only a problem in among teenagers, but among adults and even in the highest offices of our land. Well, that's that's the culture that we're in, and the students are seeing it on TV. They're seeing it certainly in a lot of the music that they listen to. If you examine what's on their iPods, so much of it is free and easy sex. It's it's expected of you that if you're a social creature, you will be having sex, and then it's reinforced by the culture, by TV, by music, and now by government. the The whole issue of oral sex became this this huge. It just cracked wide open, and students are engaging in it all the time. As a matter of fact, a lot of Christian students are are calling it Christian sex because you can't get pregnant from it, but it's still sex. And because the president said that it wasn't, well, certainly that's what sets what is true, right? It's whatever the president says. And so, so many people have swallowed the lie because they're getting it from every sector. I can't help but think that the rise in oral sex was uh, directly due to the scandal in the White House because... That led to not only being constantly in the news, descriptions of it and uh, the terminology of it, but also suddenly parents having to explain to their kids what it was that the president had done. What we then discovered was uh, kids learning about that aspect of sex a lot earlier Mm -hmm. than maybe perhaps they should have. Which is a direct violation of scripture and on so many levels. But I mean, think in particular in the Song of Solomon, three different times it says, do not arouse or awaken love before it so desires. And the, the meaning of the Hebrew means until it's time. And, and the time is when you're ready for marriage and you have an appropriate place and time within the context of a committed monogamous relationship that's a covenant marriage, that's when you awaken or arouse love. And so all of a sudden, now we've got these teeny boppers and teenagers um, saying, ooh, this sounds interesting and feeding on it and thinking about it. And it's they're going to act out, you know, because as scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if, if teenagers are constantly thinking about sex, which has been the case for a long time, but now it's in our face in a whole new way, it's not surprising that the kids would be acting out on it as well. well. Sue, let me give you a dilemma. First of all, it's disturbing especially from a, uh, a Christian worldview and, uh, and from Christian people or even, even decent moral people. It's disturbing that sexuality is being attached to younger and younger girls. Uh, and so we're talking about uh, even some of the lineup that, that Pat mentioned at the beginning of the show, really young teens, mm-hmm. 14, 15, 16. Younger than that. Actually, well, yeah, uh, and I'm trying to be conservative, but you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and so you say, well, look, you know, these are kids; these are this is a child that you're doing, and so forth. The skeptics come back and say, uh, no, they are developed. It's uh, quite appropriate to not only look at them sexually, but for them to express their sexuality. And there was a time in the not too distant past when they would be married mm-hmm. at 13 and 14. Well, how do you answer that? Because that does seem to be a troubling dilemma. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got problems on a number of levels because um, girls are reaching 
sexual maturity earlier for a number of, I believe, environmental reasons, as well as the lack of daddies in the home, um, which actually has an impact on them biologically. But, you know, God's word never changes. And he says that sex is to be reserved for marriage. And so we, we need to, to rely on him um, for strength to stand against all that, that pressure. Let's put the onus on parents, okay? We need to be careful of what our kids are watching, what our kids are listening to, who are our children talking to, because um, kids can help each other become very sexualized in, you know, how does one develop a gutter mentality? Well, it's the people that you talk to. So we need to help kids pull back and exercise self-restraint by providing a whole different perspective rather than there's the TV, here's the remote, I am out of here, you're on your own. Parents need to be more hands-on. In terms of the culture, honestly, I think we are hurtling toward disaster and short of a revival. I don't know what's going to change that, Kevin. It's it's just amazing to me that we're in the place that we're at. Yeah. It's very disheartening to attach sexuality to children Mm -hmm. at a younger, younger age. And, uh, you know, in this culture, whether we like it or not, Childhood, we've extended it a little bit. I mean, when a girl, she may be very mature, but when she's 14, 15, 16, 17 and everything, she's still at home. She's still living pretty much as a, as a, in the child-parent relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've extended childhood a, a little bit. Culture isn't like the necessity of being married at 12 and 13, 50, before, 60, 70, 80, 100 years well, ago. Well, before the Industrial Re- before, Revolution. Yeah, so. Well, because at that point, you know, teenaging, the whole idea of adolescence, that didn't even exist as a concept when America was founded. It was it was it's been since then that we've invented this stage where you ought to have lots and lots of opportunities and no responsibilities, which is a, a prescription for disaster. Because people um they grew up, they were children and then boom, you were an adult. And so it's not surprising that that kids were getting married younger, but the expectation was that they were maturing faster, and and they did, because coasting into adolescence, however long that may last, and for some people there are, you know, 35-year-old men who have the mindset of a 14-year-old who Mm -hmm. are in 35-year-old bodies, that didn't exist, you know, And, and so we didn't train children to stay children longer. So when you've got all these hormones raging, particularly in boys, I mean, it, the testosterone amount, it is, as I recall, it increases 600% over the, the course of adolescence. You've got all this testosterone going on, all, and, then, and then it's being hyped up by the sexuality and the culture. Man, that's a hard, it's a hard, hard thing to do is to be young today and not have any um, God-sanctioned opportunities for release. We've identified the problem, and there are a lot of false ideas and false definitions of sex out there. Well, what does God think of sex? After all, he is the one who did invent uh, the human body and invent sex. What does God think about sex? You know, a lot of people think what God thinks is, oh my gosh, I hope they don't find out it feels good. And the reality (laughs) is he invented sex. He thought it was a great idea. He thinks it should be an amazing pleasure to both husband and wife, but only husband and wife. And because God loves us and he wants to he wants us to experience the very best that life has for us, he puts sex only within the confines of marriage because when that one flesh union welds two people together like a super powerful soldering iron and so much more than just being roommates or being lovers um, in, in the head, sexuality changes everything. 
I think that um, that sex is like God knows it's it's powerful, and so He gives us the opportunity to channel it like electricity that gets harnessed and comes through the wires and we plug into it and we use electricity to serve us as opposed to the power of lightning which is also very powerful but it causes destruction every place it hits sex outside of marriage is like lightning sex within marriage is like electricity and because god loves us and he's not ripping us off he wants the very best for us he says here's how you have maximum sex to use josh mcdowell's term yeah, the way you have maximum sex is by keeping all of the sexuality within the marriage bed. You wait until that time, and until that time, you glorify God in your sexuality by not participating in it. So the greatest maximum sex, the most satisfying sex we can have, comes in the context of two people committed to one another in a lifelong covenant of marriage. That's the truth, isn't it? That's the truth. That's what God thinks, and that's what he said in his word. Well, here's some of the lies coming from the culture, and I'll read a couple of them, and you can comment on them. Okay. First, well, everyone's doing it. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. Or here's another one that we see in the movies a lot. Sex equals love, you know, and love equals sex. Or how about this one? Having sex makes you grown up, or having sex makes you cool. Address some of those lies. Because the truth is that that God's plan for sex is within marriage. Um, these lies end up flying in our face because you you don't you get to make your choices, but you don't get to choose your consequences. And so, for example, the lie that everybody's doing it, and if you don't, there's something wrong with you. First of all, that's not true. There are a, a gr- actually a growing number of of people saying, "I am going to wait for marriage." They are not the ones that are so uncool that they can't get a date either. You know, a lot of people think, well, the only reason you're not having sex is there isn't anybody who would be interested in it with you. That's not the way it is. And there's there are people who will go and do abstinence programs, um, model beautiful people saying, I'm not going there. This whole lie, which has been in the culture for a long time, that sex is the same thing as love. And, and I think we ought to put quotation marks around love when we do that, because love means choosing what's best for the other person and serving them. And in our culture, love is whatever gives me butterfly flip-flops in my tummy. And sex doesn't equal love, particularly within the culture of teenagehood, (laughs) where if you're having sex with somebody, generally the next step is you break up because guys get what they want, girls get used, Although there's a growing number of of it being the other way around. Um, Those two things don't necessarily go together. And it's been said for a long time, and it really is true, that girls will give sex in order to get what feels like love. And boys will act like they love somebody in order to get sex. They really are using each other for their own desires. Even apart from pregnancy or any of the other repercussions, there are emotional consequences that you mentioned earlier, Sue, that are unbelievable. That's like two teenagers still living at home, engaging in something so powerful and uh, something that takes uh, so much maturity and wisdom and uh, and so forth to to really handle, you know, marriage. Uh, When they're engaging in sex and then they go home and they're still under mommy and daddy Mm -hmm. and... It's just a, a pressure cooker mm-hmm. of I'm engaging in adult activity. I'm literally being an adult here, right. but I'm under mom and dad. I'm still a kid in a kid's world under my teachers, under my, under my, my parents. And it is a tremendous 
problem, mm-hmm. the pain, and that in that person's psyche. Yeah, that's right. And you know, uh, one time I saw a poster I absolutely loved. It was a picture of a bunch of condoms, and it says, um, "Too bad they don't make these for the heart." And it was the whole idea that you might be able to uh, to use a condom to protect yourself sexually, which doesn't even work all the time, because you can still get very very sick from using condoms, but they don't protect the heart. And because of that welding aspect of sex between two people, um, every time individuals have sex with somebody and then they go have sex with somebody else, um, it's kind of like two pieces of tape that are coming together and then being ripped apart and together. And after a while, you lose the adhesiveness. And so they lose their ability to attach well. Actually, if you, you can go into any high school, anywhere in the land. And if kids were allowed to be honest, to ask, how many of you would go back to the day before you lost your virginity if you had your chance? And the majority of them would, because what they've discovered is the hype is so much bigger than the reality. Because it's a no big deal for most people, except that it is a very big deal, especially for girls who discover, I feel used, I'm, I feel dirty, I feel hurt, and what was this supposed to do for me again? And so they walk around with these wounds that nobody told them on the front end. You know, that you're going to be feeling such an adult, you're going to feel so cool, and the reality is, oh my word, I feel awful about myself. Yes, I think both of you bring up a great point. You know, sex is not just a physical feel-good act. Mm-hmm. It involves emotional, mental, and spiritual uh, parts of your being. And so the consequences are quite great. And I think you bring up a great point because a lot of times when I'm speaking around the country on sex, young people will come up to me and say, well, I know some people who had sex before they were married, da 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 and, and they're okay. You know, but they're really not telling the truth, are they? No. They're really not getting the correct picture. Yeah. Well, and and see, a lot of times, too, people have um, a facade to protect. And, and they want others to think, I'm cool. It, did, it didn't affect me. It, it, it didn't affect me. But the jury's out. Uh, so often people will live in denial for a long time. And so um, just because you don't see that there are consequences to it doesn't mean there are not consequences to it. Because God said... Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. There are always consequences to um, flying in the face of what God says is best for us. Right. Okay. So the first truth is that people experience maximum sex as safe and deeply satisfying only within the context of marriage. Uh, The second one you bring up is that people and their bodies are valuable. Talk about this truth. Well, because God has bought us with a price and we are to glorify him in our bodies and because he made us in his image, which gives us our value because we are um, we are containers for God's glory. That's the truth. But in our culture, the lie is the sex is no big deal because our bodies are really no big deal. And I can separate my head from my heart. That's no big deal either. Sex is just recreation without consequences. It's really kind of a pretty much the same thing as a, a complex handshake. You know, there's, there's no after effects to shaking somebody's hand. And sex is pretty much the same thing. But it is a big deal because, as you said, the different parts of our bodies, we are made, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we are body, soul, and spirit. And when you connect those parts with other people's body parts and soul parts and and spirit parts, and then you rip them apart, there's going to be a consequence. Um, And so it is a big deal. 
we've got this idea, too, that because of the prevalence of evolution in our culture, which says everything had a common origin, a common ancestor, we're in the same category as animals. There's no difference between the human animal and a dog animal or a monkey animal. And so we're just animals in heat. And, you know, what animals do when they get in heat is they have sex. It's the same thing with people. Why are you having a problem with this? There was a hit song, and it said, Baby, you and me ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do it on Discovery Channel. Popular song, yeah. you know. And, and I said, you know what? That really does wrap it all up in a, in a neat little bow. Naturalistic uh, Darwinian evolution view. We ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like animals. And if that is the way that, that it, if that's the way reality is, that there isn't anything after death, there is no meaning and purpose to life, well, why not? And if that is the way it is, then why do people hurt? Animals never find little dog shrinks that go. I had sex with the dog down the street, and I can't stop <laughs> thinking about it. You know, there is no moral issue with with animals like there is with people. So um, this whole idea of we just do it naturally like, like dogs mating, we can say it with our mouths, but our hearts will, will tell the truth. We are deeply troubled by it. And people feel dirty, and they feel guilty because there's there's so much more to sex than than body parts fitting together. And so if I've got these love feelings, well then, what more do I need? I mean, I just, and then you've got Woody Allen saying, the heart wants what it wants. Well, go for it. So that's, we, we believe these, these other related lies in the culture. And next thing you know, you've got people justifying just obscenely wrong things to each other. Truth number three, Sue, is virginity is a treasure to be valued and protected comment on that one well in our culture there in so many places people think that virginity is a burden to be gotten rid of it's like oh you poor thing are you still a virgin well when are you gonna get rid of that it's the exact opposite of God's perspective he said um, through the male lover the husband in Song of Solomon uh, 412 a garden locked is my sister my bride a rock garden locked a spring sealed up and he was elevating her virginity. We need to see that the virginity that God, it comes installed in every baby who was born, that that is a gift that can only be bestowed one person, one time. And if we can help kids understand that it is a treasure, not a burden, I think that it would, it would help people feel better about themselves. There's a new phrase that has come up called technical virgin real big in Christian circles where they're, they have a lot invested in how close can I get without actually having sex? How close can I come without actually losing my virginity? And so they engage in all kinds of sexual activity saying, but I'm still a technical virgency and so it must be okay. But all that other activity is still sex. It belongs in the marriage bed. Uh, another word for it, far more accurate, is foreplay. And and it, it's part of this the sexual act that a husband and wife are supposed to be engaged in. And so this idea that you can be a technical virgin completely 
um, gets rid of the, the Jesus, what Jesus told us about the sin that happens in our head, about lusting after someone. Whether it, usually it's it's a, a man who will lust after a woman's body, but girls can lust after the feelings that come from "I must be okay," "He must love me," "I want to get involved with this." You know, we can lust after feelings as well, and so the impurity happens in our heads. Even if people are are stopping short of actual intercourse, it's still impurity, and so it's still sinful. You can be a quote unquote technical virgin, but someone who's had a lot of sexual experience and without going all the way is still sexually experienced. I don't know where that came from. Well, one of the one of my suspicions is is that we in the church tended to be a little prudish and shied away from things like foreplay, so it was never mentioned, and all we did was talk about the big mm-hmm. kahuna. Mm-hmm going all the way, sexual intercourse, Mm -hmm. only referring to that, giving people the idea that they can go all the way up to there without any repercussions. That's right. That's one of my suspicions. Well, yeah, and it's it's the sexual equivalent to going right up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and going, how close can I get without falling in? And wise people keep their distance way, way far back, you know, and and you go, if you're going to go to the edge, you go where there are guardrails. But sexually, people can dance right on the edge and go, it's okay, it's okay, nothing's going to happen. I'm not going to, I'm not going to topple over accidentally. And of course, people do all the time. About a dozen people die in the Grand Canyon every year. It happens. So it's, it's foolish to go right up to the edge. That's not God's intention for maximum sex, for sure. We've been talking with Sue Bolin from Probe Ministries. She's a speaker and writer on this topic and also on the topic of homosexuality. And she'll be back with us next week as we continue this talk on sex, lies, and the truth here at Evidence and Answers. Sue, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Pat. Thanks, Pat and Sue. And we appreciate you being with us today. By the way, there are two parts to this program, so be sure that you listen to both. And they're available for download at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. If you think a show like Evidence and Answers should be on the air, a show that explores today's worldviews and gives reasons for faith in Christ, then help us keep it happening. Whenever you download or order our resources, you not only equip yourself, but you help provide us a way to rock the culture with some good news. That's evidenceandanswers.org. This is Kevin Harris for Pat Zuckerin. God bless and see you next time on Evidence and Answers.